Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. Final hour is here just like that from 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. OutKick 360 rolls on across the OutKick network. If you miss portions of the show, you can find the podcast wherever you download your audio. And we stream live daily at outkick.com. You can find us there. More info on everywhere you can find the show. Headlines out there. Justin Tucker has signed a four-year contract extension with the Baltimore Ravens. He's the most accurate kicker in NFL history. And he now averages $6 million per season, which is a million more per year than any other kicker in the NFL currently. That is a nice um, financial lead to have over the next best at your position. We were talking about Bill Russell making a dollar more than Wilt Chamberlain. Uh, Bill Russell was excellent. Wilt Chamberlain certainly excellent. I love and applaud excellence, and that is what Justin Tucker is. He's terrific. Make as much money as you can, my man. Oh, absolutely. I, I love it, the fact that he's getting paid like that, and deservedly so. He is the best at his profession in the world. So I applaud him. I applaud the Ravens. Great job by all. So we knew uh, uh, Justin Reed, who's no longer with Kansas, uh, excuse me, no longer with Houston. He's now in Kansas City. We knew that he was in the preseason last year. He was trying to lobby the coach to allow him to kick off. In fact, I think he did. I think he kicked off once maybe um, and, and crushed it. In practice this week, he hit a 65-yard field goal. The starting safety for the Kansas City Chiefs hit a 65-yard field That's goal. That's awesome. Um, that that I, I couldn't believe it when they said he was. I thought he was just attempting it, like as a joke, and then he crushes it, and the team went crazy. So I'm assuming they had something on the line or some manufactured, you know, hype thing where you get practice off, you don't have to do conditioning or run. something. Yeah, but he hit a 65 65-yarder. So that's Justin Tucker esque from the, that's awesome from the safety spot. Uh, the Braves and Mets. Uh, the Mets did to the Braves what they did to the Yankees, Chad. They, they won. They did. They punished them. And they did uh, to the Braves what the Cardinals did to the Yankees this weekend. Uh, well, they didn't sweep them, actually. The, the sweep happened in St. Louis. But they did win four out of five. And um, look, I, I'm watching these two teams. The Mets have the best rotation in baseball. I mean, when you get to the playoffs – Pick any three of those guys, and you're going to have a hell of a time getting much done offensively against their pitching staff. They're a very good team. I still fully expect a Met-like moment to be coming this season at some point where it's going to get hairy for them again. Keep in mind, they were up, I believe, 12.5 or 13 games on the Braves at one point this season. And the Braves all but erased that after a 15-game win streak. At one point this season, it, it could happen again where the Braves make the division interesting, and I think that they will. But head-to-head right now, it's not all that close. Um, the Mets are a better baseball team than the Braves at this point in the season. That could change. 
The Braves are going to get some guys back from injury that are going to help them. But man, oh man, that was difficult to watch up in Flushing, New York this weekend. Outside of Friday night where the Braves jumped out 8 nothing through two innings and nearly lost the lead and lost the game, there was not much fun in that series for the Braves. And the Yanks are doing this thing where, I didn't want to say it out loud when they were rolling, but I was like, there's no way they could be this good. And they are proving themselves not, not to be that good. It's still a comfortable lead, though you'd like them to get, if you're a fan, you'd like them to get home field for the playoffs. That's at risk. And the, uh, the other thing is now they're getting, you know, they lost one nothing to the guy they just traded away, which sucks. There was a dumb trade with Jordan Montgomery. And then they get that's, into That's a, what hurts, yeah. that he immediately pitches against you and they win one to nothing. And he shuts you down after the trade. Then they get into two competitive games where they're down a run late. And you think, well, you know, at least they have a chance here. And the bullpen gives up something late where it goes from being a one-run game to being a five-run game. And you're like, well, you know, they can't do their bottom of the ninth heroics if they're down five instead of one. So they're having some troubles right now. That's the first time since interleague play started that they got swept by an NL team. Wow. Which is pretty hard to believe. That's, that's pretty cool. Uh, meanwhile, I was, uh, by the way, I was looking at a, a power ranking somewhere today, just all of Major League Baseball. The Dodgers were a clear cut, and it was taking some sort of formula algorithm into it. Dodgers now have the best record in baseball. They were clear cut number one. Number two, the Mets, pretty clear cut number two. Nonsense. Number three, Astros. Number four, Yankees. Number five, Braves. Those are the top five in all of Major League Baseball. The Braves, though, right now, they're only five clear of the Phillies who've caught fire. Also, out of nowhere. So that's for the second. They're in the top spot for the top wild card right now. But both the Padres and Phillies are now tied for the second spot. And they're only five games clear of that, those two teams right now, the Phillies Braves. Phillies apparently appearing on Apple TV a lot, which has my father-in-law going ballistic. He pays for Comcast largely to see Philadelphia sports. And now they're on Apple a bunch. And he's like, well, I'm not paying for Apple TV to see two Phillies games this week, but I, I expect them on the network that carries them. And here and I can't see Well, it. he better get used to it because these streamers are going to start taking more and more from actual over-the-air television and cable. I get it for the young people who are, are cord-cutting and all of that, but I feel badly for older people who, you know, live night to night with the team and have only experienced TV one way. Tonight, uh, MLB Network is where you have a doubleheader. Blue Jays, O's, and then Yankees, Mariners tonight in a doubleheader on MLB Network. Uh, the best pickup at the trade deadline has been uh, Trey Mancini to Houston. Oh, crushing and it. Two of his first three at-bats, he hit. he's hit two homers, including his first career grand slam. He hit, his homer, hit a homer in his first... In fact, you knew it in his first two starts with the Orioles, he hit homers in, in those at-bats. And then uh, has followed that up in his first two starts with the Orioles, or excuse me, with the Houston Astros since being traded. He's hit homers, including a grand slam. He, he has been on fire since he arrived. Hurts for the Orioles, who've had a very respectable season and have exceeded expectations to watch that happen. I don't know that I've ever, speaking of trades and big trade deadline moves, I don't know that I'd ever seen an interview with Juan Soto before when he was with the Nationals, but they mic'd him up last night on ESPN for Sunday Night Baseball with Padres and Dodgers. I found him to be very enjoyable. 
Like, I really root He's for the guy after guy. watching him in right field. There's a moment where Cody Bellinger crushes one, and he's just heard shouting, stay in, stay in, stay in, trying to will the ball back into the park. And it goes out, and Carl Ravitch re- responds and says, it did not stay in. <laughs> one nothing Dodgers. And it's funny because he's hearing you know, the call as Carl Ravitch is responding to him screaming to stay in. Was, how, do you, how do you feel if you're a Royals fan with this Whit Merrifield thing where he's, he took out a big ad or put up a big Twitter thing and he said, I gave you everything I had. I love you people. But he didn't give him everything he had because he wouldn't uh, do what he needed to do to play in Toronto. But now he's getting traded to Toronto and he'll do what he needs to do to play in Toronto. So is he, he's going to get <laughs> vaccinated because of the trade? Yeah. Okay, I didn't know if but it, he wouldn't get vaccinated I, to play in Toronto. Well, I saw for the, Kansas City. I saw the headline. By the way, the vaccination thing in Toronto is utterly ridiculous. That they're continuing yes. this with other teams, and Major League Baseball needs to step in. That's how bad he clearly wanted out of Kansas City was to do that. <laughs> but um, like, I, the but he, they're the important games if was, I'm playing for Toronto. But they're not important games if I'm playing for Kansas City. Well, the the important thing is I want to play for a team that's got a shot at the playoffs, and I'll do whatever it takes. Maybe his girlfriend just moved to <laughs> Toronto. Stab, stab me with any syringe you would like, please. I'd like to get the hell out of Kansas City. I don't people in Kansas City, people in Kansas City are pissed. I would take. He's probably like I would take heroin intravenously if it means I could be a Dodger. Please get me out of here. Um, but no, the uh, the headline I saw the story was. Whit Merrifield says he's vaccinated or just that he is vaccinated, but it didn't say that he did it just because of the trade to go there. Anyway. Well, he wasn't allowed to play there when he was with the Royals. What an amazing story. So I've been doing a double take on this because it's not every day you see this headline just to make sure it's a verified account. And it is. Uh, Pat Leonard covers the giants for the New York daily news. And he tweets the following and they've been having brawls out there. Uh, at their camp. He's been playing everybody, follow, by the way, just with all this happening. They intend to play everybody in all three preseason games, they said. Uh, well, I mean, they have plenty of roster battles. So, uh, so you've seen this, Chad. Uh, so Saquon Barkley lowers his shoulder into uh, Aaron Robinson during like a shoulder pad thud linebacker running back drill. Defense didn't like the way that Saquon lowered his shoulder. Um, so Tay Crowder got involved, and then Giants center uh, John Feliciano, uh, he grabs Crowder's head three plays later, pulled it down and tried to knee him in the face, WWE style is the description. Then here's the double take I gave. Offensive line coach Bobby Johnson. Bobby Johnson followed the staff from Buffalo to the Giants. So he was the offensive line coach in Buffalo. He pushed linebacker Cam Brown, and then his center sucker punched Brown after the O-line coach shoved the linebacker. Tag team. Mayhem. What a disaster. Can't believe Feliciano. All started by Barkley, who had McKinney in his face for starting this fight. But Bobby Johnson, the offensive line coach, is getting involved in the fights now. This with sounds the more like a McAdoo or... Um you know, some of these previous regimes, I would have thought that Dayball would have come in and, and done away with this. Stuff. It sounds like a Joe Judge. Yeah. To me, this sounds like a very uh, collegiate, rah-rah, Joe Judge coaching staff type thing. It sounds like something Jeremy Pruitt would do as an analyst, would be to sucker punch someone or push, the, push a player. Um, th- I had not seen this tweet, Hutton, but this guy that covers the team, I mean, it's, 
It's as if he's doing John McClane during a game when he's going over the top about how bad the Texans are at every practice. But he's telling the truth. I mean, there are multiple practice reports from him where he just says, this offense looks like it's a middle school offense. Uh, this unit was sent off the field during this period. They went back. I've been talking to people you know, off the record about it and says they'll be lucky to score a point in the open. I mean, it's just crazy over-the-top observations from Giants training camp that have been disastrous so far. And a lot of it just is, it hovers around Daniel Jones and his inability to grasp whatever Brian Dayball is trying to do and just that the offensive installation has been a train wreck. That this offense has no semblance of organization with what Dayball is trying to do offensively. Tomorrow's two weeks for most teams. Um, and 11 practices. Today's 10 practices for most teams. The, the, you know, the big thing, too, uh, with Daniel Jones is he turned the football over 51 times two years ago. Either and He had a fumbling issue and an interception rate that was extremely high. And they backed him down over the last two years where it was check down or sit the bench. Like they were not going to allow him to just let it loose and fire it away. And now he has um, a head coach and an offensive coordinator who are demanding him to let it rip. They want him to push the football down the field and take chances. And this could spell disaster for Daniel Jones. It's a yo-yo. Yeah, I mean, that's great if you've got a quarterback who's got a let-it-rip mentality. Yeah. But if you're telling a quarterback that well, is scared he, he and does. doesn't want to make the mistake... He does, but he does he's made have a lot a let of it mistakes. Rip mentality, which has gotten him into harm's way and cost his team. And that's what they have been trying to... I mean, they've been trying to neuter the guy. For two years. For two and years with the old staff. open it up again. And that, Yes. And now they have a wide-open system with their new O.C., came from Kansas City. He's now with Dayball, and they are telling him, fire away. It's got to be confusing <laughs> to their mind. I used to do this. Then for two years, it was terrible. Now they want me to do it again. The, the I don't photo, think it's that – I mean, I feel like if you – again, if you're truly a confident, got swagger, let it rip guy, which I'm not convinced Daniel Jones ultimately is, but if you are, that is just – life being breathed back into you. If you get a coaching staff that comes in and says, we're taking the shackles off. You can throw this thing down the field more. We want you to take some chances in tight coverage. We want you to do this, this, and this. If, in fact, you were being held back by the previous regime. I don't know if that's the case or not. But if that's true, then he's got to be thrilled and not having any problems with it. I, I get what you're saying, but I also think, like, how good was Joe Judge and his staff, and I know they weren't good coaches, at, at – Squeezing that out of, you know, there's, there's adjustments to be made if you're being taught math one way and then you're being taught math another way. Well, the other thing is he's been, the crap's been beaten out good. of him. Yeah. The crap's been beaten out of him behind that offensive line, which has been putrid. And they're trying to, you know, they're, they're instilling more of a tough grit mentality up front, which case in point, just look at their offensive line and their coach with, with Bobby Johnson and wait until you see the photo that uh, I sent to Tyler to put up. So this is from Bobby Skinner, who's also covering the team uh, from Talking Giants, the podcast. It looks like uh, a guy who has been knocked unconscious, one of the offensive linemen, where you're going to see... 
<laughs> you're going to see Feliciano on the ground. This is Cam Brown, the linebacker, pulling him away like he's table strapped. Has he, he got his shoulders like or has he uh, got his helmet? It looks like he's just been Is he knocked, knocked out? looks like he's it got his like guardian he's knocked cap. out. It's just, it's crazy. If he's knocked out, you don't want him dragged off like Somebody that. Somebody get this guy out of here so we keep no, working. He's, <laughs> he's clearly not knocked out. It's a still image. And I know. It would have been reported like. that he was unconscious. Uh -huh. so, That's no. a scary looking picture. And that belly ain't great. I think it's hilarious. <laughs> it looks like, uh, I mean, it looks like someone <laughs> yelling, Somebody get 76 off the field so we can keep this scrimmage going. Let's go. Get him out. Somebody get this dead guy off the field. I like those white unis. What an with amazing the red number. I love, by the way, all of the complaining from coaches about brawls being I, a problem because this is their way of being pissy about the collective bargaining agreement and practice time being taken from them. So then when fights happen and there's any distraction from practice time, I'm reading all of these reports. I talked to ex-head coach, or I talked to an anonymous head coach about this, or assistant coach, and they say fights are a huge problem in training camp because they already don't have the time they want during practice with players, and it just takes away from that yeah, time. That's a coaching problem in terms of inability to instill discipline in you guys not to fight. I've covered a camp where there was maybe like one minor skirmish so far. Yeah, they don't – the other thing, too – Trevor Penning would like a word. It's, the, <laughs> the, it's the one area that you're getting an automatic ejection. It's not just a penalty, but you're out. You're, you're hurting – if you're, you're just hurting the team immediately, uh, which is why the, I think the, the coaches just don't want to condone it. Um, I, I, I have to see video of this. I, nothing's been released yet. So there's got to be a fan that was recording this or something. But on, uh, in response to a previous play – the center grabs Crowder's head on the next snap and tries to knee him in the face WWE style. So I'm imagining the center pulling the linebacker's head down towards his knee while he's trying to UFC this guy into the oblivion. Helmet with on a helmet on. I mean, clearly a helmet on. Yeah. So you're going to hurt your knee on his face, um, man. So, yeah, that's the other thing. The, the fights do nothing if you're going to be the idiot that swings at a helmet. With your fist. At least a softer now if the guy's got a guardian cap on, if he plays the right position. I mean, most of the time I look at these quote-unquote brawls and I think, eh, it's a glorified shoving match. It's a pillow fight. Uh, these guys don't want to fight, you know. <laughs> uh, in, this, in this regard, like this sounds like mayhem. This sounds like Ric Flair's final match. Yes. Bloody <laughs> they're blading, face, they're bloody blading face and all. while they're laying on the ground. <laughs> Someone's uh, chewing on a razor blade also to make their mouth look scarier. Um, I would love to see one coach that would never do this because the money involved, but the moment a little skirmish takes off, they just say, all right, break it up and take your helmets off and your pads and now fight. <laughs> Every time it happens, like you want to fight, Have at it. let's fight. Because that's where you're going to get the, no, we don't really want to fight. Separate them in the heat of the moment. You take your helmet off. You take your helmet off. Take your pads off. You ding, guys, ding. If you guys still want to fight, we'll let you go at it until someone's knocked out. Go. So, and uh, I guarantee you most of them would then say, all right, let's get back to practice. The, the biggest skirmish at, uh, at Titans camp so far is one where the media wasn't even allowed in, but the fans reported. The fans reported that Jamarco Jones went after Taylor Lewan during warm-ups on the same offensive line together. You got two uh, – that's rare. We have two guys in the same meeting room. And, uh, this and is during warm-ups. Clearly a case where Jamarco had had enough of Taylor chirping at something. Um, and, of course, uh, after the practice, he was asked about it. He's like, oh, it's just you – know, no big deal. 
And of course, boys being boys. There's no evidence of it other than the fans confirming it and Jamarco being asked about it and not saying it didn't happen. So, Jamarco, who's second in line at uh, left guard and has not um, been elevated. Meanwhile, the other spot that's up for for a battle has flipped from Dylan Radens to uh, Nicholas Petit Frere, and that flipped on Friday. Uh, and I asked Vrabel today why those two aren't in sync in terms of when they flipped, and he said, oh, it's just a decision that I made. Yeah, because one guy has sucked. <laughs> one guy who's been taking all the reps at right tackle this offseason is all of a sudden replaced, replaced by, by the rookie. rookie. Rookie third-rounder. They, they, it's amazing the what they're doing. The Titans are going to get there. Yeah, they're yeah, going from round, a first round, second, second round, round, to a third round. Third round. Maybe now, this now, guy will be the answer. Now we've hit the sweet spot. Now yeah. I feel like future right tackles will only be taken to the third round. Or later. We're going to back them up. Well, not hey, in the look, first round. At left, second guard, round. at left guard, they're going undrafted. Which can't is how, go lower I mean, than that. They've had success with some undrafted yeah. guys, though, over the years. And teams do. I mean, that, oh, they had a especially on the interior. They, they had a bad run at right tackle. Every offensive years. line needs one well, no, guy. No, we're talking undrafted, come, Chad. They've, had, they've had success with some undrafted offensive linemen as a franchise. Oh, yeah. Wh- especially where was, on the interior offensive line. Where was David Stewart? He was, was a fifth-round pick. Fifth, fifth round? Fourth like, round. Fourth round or fifth-round uh, pick. Quentin Spain played for a while. He was the worst guy on the line, but he you know, was in there scrapping. He's still scrapping in the league. He and Jeffrey Simmons are good friends. I mean, I think every NFL team you could probably point to and say there are some undrafted guys they've had success with on the offensive line, which again brings up just the huge swing and miss yes. to draft a first-round right tackle and a second-round right tackle and one smoke no themselves time. out of the league and then the other one uh, apparently is you know FCS-level talent. Not FBS level talent. Second round pick for the Chiefs, Sky Moore is beginning to turn some heads at Kansas City Chiefs practice. You mentioned this about two weeks in for the Giants and for the you know all these practices. They're two weeks in now within the offense for Sky Moore training camp, and he's starting to stack days. So, fantasy footballers out there, there's some value in a rookie. He's part they're, of the replace Tyreek Hill. We'll find a way to get him going, and uh, all accounts over the weekend. From Thursday on, he's looked very good. So I'm, I'm eager to see what the reports are after the first preseason game and then moving forward to see if you can find that consistency. Coming up, or a bit of an SEC preview with a, an overriding theme at quarterback. Which returning starter, either transferring in, returning starter to the college game, which quarterback is most likely to lose their job in the SEC? And what do we really know about these guys and the position that they're in and the teams and the offenses that they're taking over or building upon? That's next to OutKick 360. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix.
Bryce Young, Will Rogers, Hendon Hooker, Will Levis, Stetson Bennett, KJ Jefferson, Anthony Richardson, Mike Wright. And then there's Zach Calzada, Haynes King, Spencer Rattler. All of these guys have starting experience, either in the SEC or they're coming from a Power 5 conference and should perform well within the Southeastern Conference. 11 of the 14 schools we just covered with those names. Experience and talent is as good as it's been in years at the quarterback position in the Southeastern Conference. Outkick 360 rolls on across the Outkick network. But the question, which returning starter is most likely to be replaced? Most likely to look over his shoulder and see the backup coming in sooner rather than later. Because keep in mind, I mean, the the backdrop last year, I mean, Bryce Young at Alabama feels safe, right? Stable, poised QB. But if you start looking around at what we thought was going to be the case last year and what actually happened, is there a quarterback that you're absolutely certain goes out and crushes it and doesn't look back this year in the SEC. I'd say Will Levis is on that list of very, very safe. I really think of like four guys, if I just had to list something that I'm not really, I'm just going to put them over here and not list them as candidates to be replaced for performance based on performance from last year or the last two years or whatever it may be. Stetson Bennett, crazy enough, is one of them. Uh, I'm going Bryce Young. I'm going Will Levis at Kentucky. I'm going Hendon Hooker at Tennessee. I'm going K.J. Jefferson at Arkansas. Now we get to a list of names of uh, some of these schools, talking about a few of them during the break, where it's still uncertain who really is going to be the starter or who's the incumbent or who's the presumed starter based on on transfer. I'm going to go to the situation for my answer to this question, the situation at Missouri. Brady Cook is the guy who started to end the season. He is a sophomore coming into this year. He was a, a big-time uh, a, a big time prospect out of St. Louis, played quite a bit as a freshman, started at the end of the year. I don't think he threw a single interception, but his numbers weren't great, but also not awful for a true freshman in, in Eli Drinkwick's offensive system. He is the presumed starter right now. Jack Abraham, a guy who's played at four different colleges, just transferred from Mississippi State. He's a a sixth-year senior. He's going to challenge. Sam Horn is their big freshman prospect coming in. Tyler Macon started a game and was terrible a year ago against Georgia, but started a game for Missouri. So they have a legitimate four-horse race at quarterback at Missouri. For that reason and the fact I didn't think Brady Cook was overwhelming, he wasn't bad for a freshman, but wasn't overwhelming, I think Brady Cook's getting replaced early in the season for Missouri, even if it's by design to see what else you have at the position. Eli Drinkwick said recently that he felt like he almost put himself into a prison of play calling a year ago, that they felt like they had to do the same things kind of over and over and over again to stay somewhat safe and work the advantages they had. He feels like with their receiving core this year, they can do some different things and challenge people down the field. If that's the case, I don't think Brady Cook is making it that long at quarterback from Missouri. I think he gets replaced quickly. I don't see how Vanderbilt, who where 
not finding an SEC win for on the schedule very easily right. and has lost 21 straight, makes it through a season with, with Mike Wright as the starter. I don't know how he makes it through a season given his size. Yeah, stature. He doesn't have much. You saw him on Saturday. Ken Seals has had some, you know, quote-unquote success, and you hear things about um, the freshman, A.J. Swan, I would think that all three of them are going to play at some point in time for the Commodores. Yeah, I think uh, – and I, this is off of one scrimmage that was a weather Rain delay quickened. and then canceled. Um, and by the way, uh, Coach gave us – Coach Lee gave us incredible access, and we'll have further uh, details on a, a sit-down we were going to be doing with him at his office, but he, he let us mic him up. There's some great stuff that came out of it. Um, they, they didn't get a good look at the quarterbacks um, this past weekend at their scrimmage. I don't disagree, though, in the little glimpse I saw of Mike Wright. He's, he's okay, but his, I mean, he's going to get lit up. And he's a very if slender, he's, slight I don't guy. think they're looking to bench him. But I also don't think, like, I didn't see a quarterback, guys, that was like, you know what? Yeah, he's the starter. If you took the numbers off and just put red jerseys on them and told me to pick out the starter from Saturday, I would have gone with A.J. Swan. He, he hit some deep passes. Um, he may not have the experience, and he's certainly young. He's got a big arm. And stature-wise, he looks like the SEC QB. Sills is, is more accurate, I'd say, of the group. Again, quick glance, uh, glimpse of that, but... Mike Wright was named the starter at SEC Media Days. So he's in command. He's running the first team group. This feels like a rotation, though, more than it does a starter, and he's yeah, the guy. He starts in Hawaii. I, I, I think all three of those guys are going to start games, plural. <laughs> I think they each get multiple starts throughout the season because I don't see a lot working with Vanderbilt offensively this year, so they're going to need to try some different things out. Crazy to me, Ken Seals – who had that great stretch in his true freshman season at one point, can't seem to get it together to be the starter at, at Vanderbilt. He seems like a guy who should be the starter. And he started this his freshman point. year. That's what I'm saying. He had that great stretch his true freshman season, and it's fallen apart since then. But if in Swan could be because, any good, you'd like him to be the guy because yeah. then you could get four years ahead of well, him. Well, I think yeah. they're going to play a ton of freshmen this year. Their freshmen are outperforming some of their other positions, which isn't hard to do given the roster that they inherited. And I mean no slight at the guys who are starting currently at Vandy, but they, 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 they have laid a nice starting foundation for what they're trying to do, which is win an SEC game. Yeah. And I, while and be a dominant at certain team in the positions, country. I think we could see some freshmen step in. It's tough to step in in the trenches in the conference as a freshman and play because your body's just not fully developed. But in the secondary, at receiver – at running back, at quarterback, yeah, I think we could. I think we could see some guys step in. It's also e a lot easier to sell future progress if you're playing 16 freshmen. Yeah, let's say across all positions on your roster, and that's legitimate. I mean, if you keep them, it's going to keep your freshmen involved, engaged in what you're doing, ready for each and every week of the college season. Keep keep them coming back next year, not hit, hitting the transfer portal. And I think you sell your fan base and everyone else on, hey, it's not pretty in year one. Certainly wasn't pretty. Probably not pretty in year two, playing this many freshmen. But if you stick around, by the time these guys that are starting and playing right now are juniors, we're going to be a pretty respectable SEC team. 
at that point. That that's the pr- progress you want to see if you're Clark Lee. What you're trying to accomplish at Vandy, guys. Th- there is one that just sticks out to me, and I could I could be proven dead wrong on this, but I'm looking in Gainesville. The backup right now to Anthony Richardson is a transfer from Ohio State, and Jack Miller, who had an excellent spring, he stepped foot on campus in January. Excellent spring practice. Uh, the quarterback competition there, where after he got there, was ramped up. Richardson didn't win the job out, we know, last year by Mullen, but it's whenever he had his opportunity, I think the offense ran at a much better pace. But he still, what it was six interceptions to five touchdowns was a stat line. So it's, it's nothing as definitive as some other quarterback spots where you feel like the number one is the number one. And if they get off to a slow start where we've mentioned earlier in the show, they're, they're facing Utah, they have Kentucky early. If they get off to a slow start offensively, I think they could look to the Ohio State transfer pretty quickly in this season with a new head coach there. Yeah, I, I like that one. And I looked at it also with Richardson. Richardson also had some um, attitude issues at times. You know, there are reports about uh, him being a bit of a, a malcontent at Florida. With what Billy Napier is trying to establish with the, the culture there, I could see that rearing its ugly, ugly head uh, in Gainesville. Um, keep this in mind, too. You mentioned the first two games. Let's say they start 0-2. Utah, Kentucky at home, and they lose both. I don't think they will, but let's say they lose both those games and start 0-2. They get some gimme game in week three. Then they go to Knoxville in week four. So if the offense is slow starting at all, you know, is that a game where you see them mix it up at starting quarterback? Um, I'm just looking at the progression of that season. That That is a tough start. And we all know the issues with Tennessee playing against Florida, but that, that is also a very, very important game for Josh Heupel yeah. in Tennessee at home this year in week four against Florida. So I love the ability of Anthony Richardson and what he can do running the ball. Um, he's got to prove it in terms of accuracy and not turning it over. I had him. That's the big problem. I had him written down also. I think he's an obvious choice. Didn't he have some legit complaints last year about Emory Jones? Well, I think the – I say attitude problems. The Florida fans wanted him playing, right? Emory Jones – the knock was, man, I don't know why Mullen loves this guy so much. right? He was very good against Alabama in the near upset early yep. in the year at home. And then he had some good moments. He was very good against Tennessee in a win in Gainesville. But the knock from fans was, we really want to see this Anthony Richardson kid we've heard so much about. We've seen the ability flash in a spring game or in a moment here or there when he checked into a game. Well, and they felt like Dan Mullen was holding him back. Whether that is true or not, Dan Mullen's got a pretty darn good track record with quarterbacks. So, but we talked to people last year, Hutton, on our on our traveling road show with the SEC. A number of people would say Dan is great at coaching quarterbacks. He's terrible at picking quarterbacks. Once someone picks the right quarterback for him, he's good. But he's not always the best at picking the right one to play. It's interesting. So, maybe he got it wrong, and Anthony Richardson's that much better. We're going to find out under Billy Napier. Jack Miller played at Ohio State his first two years. He's a redshirt sophomore at Florida now. And he he received time in games over the first two seasons that he was in uh, Columbus. The other thing about Richardson, and the reason why we've seen the clamoring for it, 
he has the athletic ability and the speed along with the five-star hype that makes you want to see him now rather than later. And that was the clamoring last year. And whenever he would be inserted in the lineup, they would move the football, albeit it would, he, would, he would run with it, but they were moving the chains. They were getting in rhythm, and their offense was really down last year at times when you're looking for more consistency with Mullen's group. Um, I still think half the Georgia fan base wants someone other than Stetson Bennett at quarterback, believe it or not. I, I don't see how, but Kirby has not even opened the door for that, nor should he after the way the college football playoff went, where uh, the door was not even cracked. Stetson Bennett slammed it shut in the, in the college football playoff. Um, you know, Jefferson at Arkansas, I'm with you, Chad. It feels like it's, an injury would have to happen for him to be replaced. I, I, think, I really think him and Levis are the Levis, two safest outside of Bryce But Young. Levis threw, I mean, he had 24 touchdowns last year in 13 picks. I do not understand how he is a top prospect. I really don't. Like, I, I think he is safe with the Kentucky job, but well, I've I mean, seen him in mock drafts in the top 10. But, but we, I mean, think about what we thought we knew at this time last year. There, there will be a surprise quarterback that just doesn't cut it for what, like Spencer Rattler could be that guy. There's a lot of hype following him to, to South Carolina. He's a, he's a good quarterback. Yep. And Beamer was at Oklahoma whenever they recruited him. So he knows the quarterback well. But it's not a given. And Levis, I mean, Levis was the backup at Penn State for James Franklin's group where you're looking for some consistency at quarterback. Levis transfers to Kentucky. He's paired with a play-action style offense and uh, a quick throwing down the field at times throwing. But we never saw the deep passing game lock in last year with Levis like we thought we would. Maybe we see more of that now with a, a new play caller because his old one's now back with the Rams. Levis, I, I tend to lean more towards he's safe and we should see big things from him. His build and the way he lets it rip, to me, are qualities that I want in a college starter. Um, but yeah, that the stat line last year was just a bit off versus where we thought expectations would be for him. So well, I, I don't put him in the 100% safe realm. The, and. You know, uh, Hendon Hooker at times has been inaccurate. Now, he's not Joe Milton inaccurate, but he has been inaccurate at times. Um, but I, I just think, I think he's got a lot of confidence within that hurry-up offense that Heupel's running. And, but and I the mean, reason if those that, two are getting replaced, the teams are in big trouble. I well, mean, they're yeah. built around them. Sure. And the reason that Georgia fans are so quick to wait on Stetson Bennett to screw up, to clamor for the other quarterback, is Georgia fans are looking at every single position on their team and seeing a five- or four-star guy. Yeah, a potential thinking, transfer. Why do we have a two-star right. former JUCO quarterback talent, even though the dude's a winner and he's best for your offense? They've got Brock Vandergriff, who's a five-star. Right. Carson Beck, who's a four-star, that have been there for two years, that are waiting in the wing. So I can understand the mentality of a Georgia fan saying, uh, we just put how many guys on defense in the first round of the NFL draft? And they were all highly rated recruits coming out of high school. Why can't we put one of our guys at quarterback? That's a highly rated guy. The the um, the example of a guy who I think is about to take a huge leap forward is Will Rogers in Starkville. I agree. Um, he he already holds the school record for most three hundred yard passing games. That's he's another good into, one to put in the safe. He's list. going into year three with the Leach offense. Uh, right now, he's the current all-time leader in completion percentage for a career. And, of course, that can go up or down based on whatever happens this year. Uh, so I say right now, but he should remain there. 
He's poised, I think, to take that big step where he can be this year's version of what Matt Corral was last year. Where does that put Mississippi State in the overall pecking order of the West? I think they're they're not finishing fifth where they're predicted right now based on uh, preseason uh, media polls. But are they anywhere close to contending? No, I don't think they're the number two team either. I would still I still look at uh, A and M. But A&M's a good one because we don't really know what Haynes King is bringing other than the fact that he's already won this job once. He, Jimbo Fisher said he won the starting job a year ago, and then he quickly was injured. And then we saw the Calzada storyline play out. He's now the starter in, in Auburn. And then what ends up happening between Miles Brennan and Jaden Daniels at LSU? Daniels, the transfer yeah. from Arizona State, who's got a lot of starting experience. Yeah, but not good. Not great. You know? So... Experience, go, but not hey, good experience. You know, it goes back to, though, our NFL discussion about Justin Fields versus Joe Burrow. You know, like you can transfer and pick your spot and pick your fit now. And so if you're transferring from Arizona State into a location and a fit that's good for you with your coaching staff, so be it. You know, go flourish. Uh, same thing with what hap- what's happening uh, with Max Johnson at A&M. Or, you know, maybe we see something at Auburn where something finally clicks for T.J. Finley. Or we see Calzada, all right, win that job. But you still don't get the sense that there's anything for sure there, right, based on what we've seen. One of these is going to be a shocker. There will be a, you know, this time last year, Joe Milton was the guy. You know, they, they went out and paid for him. He's boasting about it at NIL meetings. Uh, he chose the place that offered him the most money. And then uh, two games in, you knew he just wasn't. He's overshooting and, guys in the, in the season opener. And based on reports of his camp performance and how he's blending with Hendon Hooker, the guys live together, maybe he pulls the Hendon Hooker this year and takes his job back. I mean, crazier things have happened at some point in the season. So who knows? Hit I doubt up. it, but who Hard knows? Pass. Yeah. Hit us up uh, with uh, your thoughts at Outkick360 or in the YouTube chat as well. Coming up, we'll tell you what to watch for tonight. Hit a few more NFL headlines on Outkick 360. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. So I feel like we need to uh, let our listeners and viewers know we were not trying to lead you astray last week. Matthew Stafford had soreness in his elbow. We were getting that from his head coach, Sean McVay. Um, Stafford then practiced over the weekend, had a zip to the football that reporters said looked no different than when he ended the season last year. And then he told, he told uh, reporters that were asking about his, his right arm it's gotten a little more traction than I would have thought, to be honest with you. I'm just going to I'm just going through something. It's irritating at the moment, but I'm working through it. We've got a great plan. I'm feeling stronger every time I come out and throw. I'm right on track, feeling good. It's gonna get traction if your coach says it's unusual. Yeah. 
uh, I, I hate when things get twisted like this and they make it like it's the press is making it a big deal. Well, when the coach says your quarterback who won a Super Bowl has unusual elbow pain, I, I mean, that's, that's headline worthy. I'm yes. still concerned about it, frankly. Yeah, and but, I'm not but, convinced that he's – he might be throwing the ball fine now, but give me the long-range forecast on him if he's practicing a usual workload. And this isn't something that just popped up. I mean, he's been on a pitch count, for lack of a better way to put yeah. this, since the offseason started. You know, he did not throw in OTAs, for instance. But, you know, he's, it's not like – the way they were describing it after a day off, I thought we wouldn't see him practice for a couple days, maybe a week or so. Certainly not going to play in the preseason. They don't play anybody in the preseason in L.A. But that's what made it unusual is that all of a sudden over the weekend, we, we leave on Friday thinking something's up with Stafford's right arm. And Saturday, he's throwing rockets in a red zone period over the back corner of the end zone. Are so, they comfortable with John Wofford as their backup? <laughs> I wouldn't be right now. I'd no. be thinking about a better alternative because if he gets to the point where he's going to miss a game, or where they're going to have to reduce his workload. Well, that's you need somebody better. That's you know Garoppolo has been mentioned. Yeah, and that's in in division. Same as Seattle. It just doesn't make sense to trade him in the division, especially to the Rams, if you're going to help them go from Stafford to a backup, right? Yeah. Like if Garoppolo is going to Seattle to start, I mean, there's a reason why the 49ers are comfortable not starting him. I haven't year. looked closely, but there's probably a. Um, Somebody with three good quarterbacks who's going to get down to two good quarterbacks. It's somebody better than John Wofford. I do applaud him for being honest and at least stating that something was up, even if it got overblown by his estimation or whatever. I want to. Yeah, he says, I feel I like I can make him any throw I want saying something to. and not just hiding it. Yeah. But I feel like I can make any throw I want to, and making any throw I want to are two different things. Still looks pretty the good. Power of the mind. Paul. We're back at it tomorrow for Outkick 360. Do not block this box, but lock your locks.